should have just said don't bang on the table. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Live on Real Estate, or as we like to say, the best damn uh, 12 to, you know, now 30 or 40 or two hours, we don't know anymore, in the history of the universe, of the world, of this place that we know of. Uh, I'm your host, Patrick Holly, the mortgage guy. Uh, wrangled them in again for another episode, and I think this is a week-on, week-out thing. CP joining me today. How you doing, bud? Patrick, ho, ho, ho. Yeah, it's that time. It's that it time is. of the year. Very Welcome. good. Although, if you look outside, there's really you know nothing going on outside right now, which is, I guess, good. So maybe Tom Cruise is right. Global warming is real. Sunshine is outside. Sunshine. That's, that's the best part. So uh, I'm actually really excited about this episode here. We're joined by two. Uh, after having a brief conversation beforehand, we do a little bit of prep before the show, and um, found out a lot of different things. And we got mortgage experience, commercial um, real estate experience, residential real estate experience, portfolio building, uh, Central Properties' very own uh, Tom Fisher and Ian. Is it Whitelaw or Whitlaw? Whitelaw, yes. Whitelaw, perfect. How are you guys doing today? Good morning. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Good morning. Happy holidays to anybody out there. Um, and so, you know, like I said, we, we were kind of talking briefly before the show. We prepped a little bit. Um, I think what's most important is just to kick this off the right way and give us kind of, number one, what you guys do exactly, what is Central Properties, um, how you kind of got into this industry, and give us some like stats on the market. Let's, let's get kind of like a market analysis going. Oh, great. Good morning. Thanks for, thanks for having us. Uh, wonderful to, to experience this uh, <laughs> podcast and join on to the, the ongoing saga here. Uh, first of all, Central Properties Group, we want to thank you for having us in. Uh, we try to focus mostly on residential, commercial, leasing, sales, uh, the whole gamut of the market for our mm -hmm. clients. We try to work with a portfolio type view to a family uh, unit. So we try to make sure that we handle everything that's necessary for any real estate matter to do with uh, our clients. So we can do leasing, uh, we property manage for folks, we sell their properties. Um, I'm a resident of Birmingham. I was married in the community house downtown. We've mm -hmm. lived there. I've lived there since 1994. Uh, both Tom and I, in fact, coached the Sea Home High School soccer team yeah, for five say, years. I was going to so. say, if you have any kids that need to learn how to play soccer, we got two coaches. Yeah, we <laughs> both. Well, believe it or not, Tom and I we both played soccer at Central Michigan. We were both oh, captains, uh, captains wow. of the Chippewas, Fire nice. Up Chips. Fire so uh, uh, we've been together now for a lot of years. We know each other very well. Mm -hmm. uh, Tom comes with an extreme uh, uh, deep knowledge of the mortgage industry, as we talked mm -hmm. about pre-recording uh, here, but. Uh, Myself, I come from a deep experience of commercial real estate. Uh, Tom and I decided to get into the real estate market uh, wholeheartedly uh, on our own back in 2009. Mm -hmm. So, tough times. Yeah, tough times. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, times. yeah. But the, the nice thing about that is if you do look at the 10, five year comparison, the vast majority of our customers have made a lot of money. Yeah. So, anyone that's purchased a home in the last five to 10 years, and I think Tom will get into some of those numbers, but you know, they've done very well. This economy's done very well for the last five to ten years right. for us um, our clients are doing well they're in a good equity position um, pricing is up and to be honest with you, the interest rates are still very strong right um, I'm 50 you know so we've seen these rates before uh, we recall double-digit interest rates I remember getting excited to get an 8.25 rate right you know so where we are today is is a fairly strong position we yeah. think. Certainly, certainly. Yeah. If you look at a flashback of what's happened over the last 10 years, um, the market has put ourselves in general as a society in a great equity position. Right. This market, um, back in uh, 2009, the average sale in Wayne County was $51,000. 
as of this year, it's $141,000. Whoa, what, wow. Right. So if you bought a house in 2009, you have a 170% increase yeah. in value. That's hmm. significant. It, it, more than significant. Yeah. It's going to set most people up for a future um, in retirement. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, you know, kind of, kind of going off of that, um, when you're, you know, when you're having conversations with your clients or your portfolio, um, you know, are, is, it, are these inf- is this information that you're bringing up on a daily basis? I mean, is this something that you're talking about with it, everyone? It has to be. We, we try to look at our clients' real estate as almost like you would from your financial portfolio. Yeah. Everyone gets a fidelity or, a, you know, whatever their money right, manager right. that sends them their monthly statement. We look at our clients the same way. We know what our clients, we have clients with six to one property, but they should know what mm-hmm. their property is worth at every minute. You could have, in, as Tom you know, alluded to, someone that had a $50,000 house may have a $150,000 house today. They've got 100000 in equity, potentially. No. Um, so they need to know what that is. They need to know what the value is of that neighborhood and if they decide to rent it or what the returns are and what the you know, capital gains right. are and if potentially a 1031 exchange if they want to get into a different property. Right. There's a lot of things that that equity position provides for the client. Do you guys think, I mean, because the way my brain works and it's probably jaded, but that makes me nervous, right? It makes me very, very nervous. 2009 to now, we're basically a 10-year period. Mm-hmm. I mean, doesn't it feel like, wow, we're due for a correction? I mean, if we've seen that much increase, 170% increase. Well, I, I think my best answer to that is that um, if you compare where the market was before the crash to where it is now, mm-hmm. um, when, when the market crashed, banking industry tightened up heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very hard to get a mortgage. Right. Everybody's analyzed in, in income and in credit. Everything was analyzed to the extreme. Yeah. Right. So in the last 10 years, what you have is a receivable base of people who have mortgages who are in strong, strong borrowers. Right. Good jobs. Right. Great credit. Good equity. Um, so flashback now compared to where it was 10 years ago, we now have a market where people are strong mm-hmm. and they can do whatever they want to do. And, yeah. and usually you make better decisions when you're in a strong financial position. It's very hard to make decisions as business owners. It's very hard to make a good decision when you're scrambling for money. And the majority of our market is is not in that case. Um, Take that back another stat to that is that the average house sells in about 11, 12 years, right? Mm -hmm. So what we're coming into is that market of these numbers that we're speaking of in the last 10 years where you're gonna have people from here on out that are gonna be, they're gonna have heavy equity positions. Right, so, if yeah. you, so if you bought in Royal Oak back in that day and now your house is worth 350 and you're looking at your wife saying, well, I got, we got 200 grand. Well, mm-hmm. now you're talking about, well, maybe I'll move to Birmingham. We have, we could buy 50, 50% mortgage, LTV mortgage and have a house just off the equity we gained through the house that we originally bought in Royal Oak. Yeah. Right. Well, and on the flip side of that too, and I think a conversation that we have quite a bit is or I've run into this quite a bit, is that people that are still looking for like that stated income, stated asset type loan. Um, and it is, it's true. I mean, our market is very, is very, very tight and they're not really letting anybody in that even makes them a little bit skittish. Um, and guidelines are changing. That's a conversation that we have to have relevantly with our clients now. And imagine you guys have to have with your clients as well is that, um, you know, yeah, I'm asking you for your credit report. I'm asking you for your income documentation. I'm asking you for, you know, why you bought a car two years ago and it's a lease and you're getting ready to, you know, get rid of your lease, but you might get another. There's reasons why we're doing that. And a lot of what attributed to, you know, the crash and or what we call the crash is, uh, is the fact that that stuff just wasn't happening. So then you have all of this inflated market and you have people that really can't afford houses. 
or the houses that they're they're buying, they really can't afford that that payment or or uh, longevity. They can't afford once the market kind of recoups, and then all of a sudden we get into positions like that again. Yeah. And the, so certainly. Yeah. And, but the beauty is that that's not where we're at anymore. Right. right. That was 10 years ago. And the positive thing now, and I don't hear enough people talking about positives. I right. hear a lot of negatives <laughs> and all different things. And we, both of us, we live by the positive. Right. So don't, don't bring it up. If, if, I mean, we have to, you have to address issues. Always. Right. But I but think you may be, uh, you may be also bringing up part of CP's, uh, you know, concerns when the fears and, and his nerves that he was alluding to a moment ago, the, the fear of the mortgage company. The fear of what Hall Financial is going to ask them for is is real. People are right. nervous. They don't want, they don't know that there's good products. They don't know that mortgages are available. Right. There are a lot of good products out there. Right. Part of what we do is bring our clients to folks like you that can help them through that uneasy feeling, the yeah. nerves that you're talking about. Yep. Because like I, like we said, the, the people are in a good position. There's people are you know the average income is increasing finally. Employment is looking solid. We're in a little bit of a transition in Michigan, but we're we're fighting through this very well. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people doing well, but the nerves are out there. People aren't pulling the trigger as as often as they had in the past. Volumes down, you know, six point two percent year over year income and median sales price, but yet negative six point two percent in volume. So hmm. prices are up. People right. are nervous. But as Tom alluded to earlier, when you've got an eleven year purchase cycle, usually. Right. You know, you see it, you know, that's when mortgages generally will sell and they'll get a new house or what have you. We've got a lot of people in the position. They've had life changes, families, downsizing, upsizing, kids. They're ready to make the move. So we're here to help try and ease those fears so you can look at your portfolio and talk to your mortgage guy. Yeah, and I think um, kind of what you said too, um, Tom, is even if the housing prices don't continue to increase, right, if the market maybe does kind of calm down a little bit as far as home valuation is concerned, it's not going to set off a chain reaction. It's just going to be a natural sort of ebb and flow of the market. No doubt about it. I mean, it's just, it's light, it's night and day compared to where we were sitting um, even before the crash. Because again, I can't stress enough that not only the equity position, but the people that actually own the homes are stronger people right. have been vetted right so when people anybody who at this point i think we're all even all the buyers and now most of them are conditioned that the mortgage is going to be a little harder mm-hmm. right and as a real estate agent i explained to them that look if they ask you for 10 things they're gonna you're gonna give them those 10 yeah. things and they're gonna ask seven things off of those 10 <laughs> and then they're yeah. gonna ask four <laughs> things off of those things and eventually yeah. it's gonna narrow to zero well right? and but it's for all those reasons we're now in this market that people have equity and yeah. it's a strong receivable base and we have an economy in the real estate market that has all the potential with the sales 11 year sales market right um turnover you're now we're now coming into that market right and so for the, all those reasons i think this market has all the potential in the world yeah absolutely and, and kind of going off to that point too the reason why, and this is for anybody out there listening, the reason why we're asking for so much is not because we want to be a pain in your ass and not because we want to you know, make you find a bunch of stuff and go search old files for a bunch of random crap. It's The fact of the matter is, is there was a lot of, and, and kind of going back, I guess, to the negativity of before all this happened, is that there was a lot of issues pre-recession you know, that people weren't doing enough. And when you get into that position, you know, never, for me, at least personally, never would I want to put a client in a position where, number one, we have you qualified for a great loan, and then we find out later on down the road that you just don't 
you, you can't afford it. You just don't qualify for that. Or that's something that, you know, we kind of skated by just because I, you told me you have, you know, $50,000 in a Fidelity account somewhere and we're using that for closing. And then we get two days before closing and you can't verify any of that stuff. No doubt. And honestly, that's one of the best things I like about Hall Financial is that you guys answer the phone at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Texting me at Chris Foster, <laughs> texting me at 10, 1030 at night, you know, because you care. Right, and when you right. care... When you're looking people in the eye and you're telling them you represent them in the mortgage or the real right. estate side, you want that customer for life. You want that person to call you and trust you in right. 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now right. because they know you're the man. Right. Yeah. Right. And if you don't do that and the initial yeah. application and the initial mortgage that you do for them or even the house, if you right. put them in a bad position, they're not going to be happy with you. You didn't represent them in their best interest. Right. And then even more so, building onto your business or other pillars of your businesses, you know, the referrals from clients, the reason why people get referrals is just because you did such a good job. You know, and a lot of people say, oh, yeah, you did a good job for me. I'll send some people over. Those people that actually give you a call and say, hey, you know, uh, Chris Bazzoli sent me directly to you because he said, you're my guy and that's the, you're the only person that I can work with. You know, that really means something, I think, for me. And so kind of, you know, branching off of that, when you're looking at or you're analyzing the partners that you have and the people that you work with, I mean, number one is adding value. Obviously, as we know, Chris Foster, our, our VP here in our office, which we love to death, um, you know, he does a great job of this. But how do you, you know, go about adding value or or even talking about the value exchange between partners? What's it, or what is important for you? Other than, you know, obviously uh, answering the phone at 10 o'clock at it's, night. It's generally in a, just a, in a word, it's yeah. teamwork. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. people that it's you go through life and you meet a lot of people in different stages of life and different kind of outlooks on life. And, yeah. and the key, I think, in business is to team up with people like minded. Right. Um, um, we are people, as we've already described, that work. We work pretty much off of referral basis. Yeah. All around. We don't do a lot of marketing, general, heavy you know, TV and radio right. and whatnot. That's not our, we work with clients that stay with us, that refer us clients, and that makes us a good living. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And for, for that reason, in that mindset, we need people around us like yourselves mm -hmm. that care as much as we do. Um, and that, and, on, and honestly, that's probably the biggest reason why we got, we're attracted to you after working with you on a few deals, that it was a different vibe. Well, we're working good. as a team. You right. guys would call me after you talked to the borrower and would give me little tidbits on what some information you thought I might need to know and vice versa. And it, you play off each other. And it, what happens is, is um, the deals I've done with you, we wound up getting a clear to close 25, 30 days sometimes <laughs> before the, the, the purchase agreement. Right, right. You know, and, and I've never been in that position. Usually I'm talking to the mortgage yeah. guy the week of closing and right. we're scrambling and whatnot. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. So the if team I could add something to your point, if I, if I may, was that uh, we find that the, the problem with the when you mentioned that there's someone that calls you up and then you realize they probably couldn't afford that mortgage mm -hmm. when you're that far along, we believe that was the, the customer should have called you a long time before that. Right. So they should have, we want them to reach out to you a year two years even before they know they're going to move, six months. Right. Whatever they can, they should have a relationship with the mortgage person. It shouldn't be, I need a mortgage, who do I call? Yeah. You should know who you should call. So even, to, you know, my suggestions to all of our clients is find a great lender, find someone mm -hmm. like yourselves, reach out to them, talk about your plans, talk about your retirement, talk about your 401, talk about your investment package, 
because that's a big part of the parcel yeah. that we're working with. So when are you going to sell these rental properties? Maybe you've got an influx of cash coming. There's a lot of things your mortgage guy could know or gal, mm-hmm. and they can work with you so we can have those good products. And you don't run across that problem where right. we we shouldn't have asked for that type of a product. Oh, that, that's a huge point because, I mean, I don't know how many clients I've run across in the past that – um, being a past mortgage person, mm-hmm. where you meet them and their credit scores are 570, they've got a lot of little dings on their mm-hmm. I- in issues in their scenario. Right. And if as a mortgage person you get them early enough, um, you can correct that. Usually, mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen credit scores change so drastically oh, yeah. in a good three to six month period of time right. that if they talk to you early enough, then they're going to be in a position to buy when they're really ready. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and kind of what I'm getting from you guys is is you, you alluded to it earlier. Your approach is so much larger than what the individual transaction might be at that moment. You know, you're very, very uh, consult consult. What's that word? Con- consultants. Yeah, consultants. But they, yeah. there's a better word. Consultative. We'll <laughs> Consultative. Make up a, we'll yes. make a new word up to. Um, We're just Central Michigan yeah. soccer players, yeah, so right. don't look to me. So, but no, your approach is a lot. It, it's a, it's about a lot more than what is going on in that individual moment, and I think that that speaks volumes. And I think it also speaks to the fact that your your business model is wide. You you cover a lot of yeah. things. It's yeah. not a it's not a specialized. You know, hey, we're just listing agents. You know, we don't do anything else. Um, no, I mean, when we look you in the eye as a customer and you say you want us to be your your man, I mean, yeah. you're not going to usually just buy in one little area. I mean, we've got a lot of people who, clients who live in Northville, my home city, but they have investment properties all throughout the market. Right. And my job is to find them the best return on investment on the deal. Mm-hmm. So if that might mean that right now we're working in Redford, because that's the best return on investment. Um, I know we came out of a lot of years doing a lot of deals for people who lived in Birmingham that were buying houses in Westland. Really? Right? So you have to know the markets, and you have to know what the return on investment is. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's refreshing because I think the world that we're in right now, and a lot in our industry, has moved so much towards specialization. You know, right. one I do we do one thing, we do it better than anybody else. And, you know, you guys are sort of throwbacks to the fact that you know, whether it's buying or leasing or, or commercial or, you know, business, whatever, you know, you guys have a wide span of knowledge. Uh, and have Technology done has provided yeah. for a lot of that. You can see with all of the, 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 the there's too many technological advances to speak of, but it's allowed us, we've sold houses this year in Traverse City. Um, we sold one on Bay City and on the water. Mm-hmm. We have a new agent that works for us. Uh, she lives in Granger, Indiana, but mm-hmm. she covers all of our Western Michigan all the way up to Grand Rapids. Um, So, you know, we have that coverage area because, to be honest, we have guys that have houses in Birmingham or Northville that have a kid over in Kalamazoo that wants to buy a house or or, or is moving down to, you know, to Niles that that needs a a house. We want to provide that service, and there's really no reason with good, skilled people that know your portfolio and know your life objectives. Right. We're not going to put you in a house in... You know, in Kalamazoo, if you're only planning to be there for two years, that's right. a five-year investment. And you got to, right. you know, you right. count on us to know those numbers. Well, something that I love that's funny that you said that is that you know a lot of people what we notice is that they're they specialize in one or two things, which is to a funny point is that everybody you know I see this a lot out there is everybody's the one, like number well, I'm one percent I'm in the top one percent of listing agents in X county or whatever. Where does I mean, for for a couple of guys that decided to we didn't want to specialize in one thing. We wanted to branch out and do a hundred little things that all made a huge impact. 
I mean, what does that kind of mean to you when you hear people say that? Like, you know, I'm I'm the top realtor in Macomb County. I mean, do those are those stats like available? Or is that something that like you the can really track? The stats are available. Right. They're available to any client that really wants to look up information on closes mm-hmm. and on transactions. But the one percent, you can be the top one percent of you know of whatever it is that right. you choose to be the top one mm-hmm. percent of most of the agents in the market we know who the top one percent are mm-hmm. when someone says they're in the top one percent and we know who that agent is yeah that they probably are or they they they're not right but we don't want to be the top percent one percent of anything we want to be the top agent for my client right yeah that's client. it that's that, it that's we, don't, we don't care about all these other business there's so many agents there's so much business in michigan to be had one 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 thing i might add too is when you hear the big numbers as a as an agent kind of listening to the market um a lot of those people that claim that they're the one percent mm-hmm. um they have a lot of assistants and a lot of people that work with right. them so he might say i'm the, on that transaction but he had his assistant do the work Right. right. So you're yeah. not really getting the expertise of the person that's saying that they're top one percent. Right. Many times, um, and I, as a, as an agent going against them on many deals on competing for a price on a property, that can be a disadvantage for that one percent person because he's I'm as a skilled you're person, directly negotiating. I'm negotiating with his assistant with an admin. Right. Yeah. And and it right. actually and I'm not obviously don't need names or anything, but you see that where you you say okay, oh, it's that guy. He says he's a one percent, and we know he is. Right. But I'm really dealing with somebody else in the transaction. Well, in the mass in the mass production too, you, you get understand if you have you know me writing alone, right, as opposed to you know even even our owner David Hall having a company of people mm-hmm. that are writing alone right. loans. You know your transaction now just becomes a greater and greater number. So when you have guys out there, you know that are uh, you know with the the KWs, not to name anybody specifically, but the KWs and the real teams and stuff like that. I mean, you got to understand these people that own these companies, and the reason why they do so well is because they have two, three hundred agents mm-hmm. that are all transacting. So if your name is on that, obviously that puts you in that one percent. And so yes. I think the most important thing is the knowledge and um, you know the experience that comes behind the person. That you're directly contacting. You so know? I'll I'll tell you we're one percent in customer service and, nice. and real estate knowledge. <laughs> nice. Hmm. How come like so, how come no one says they're in the top five percent? That's that's still really <laughs> right. good. I mean, how come no one, you know, I'm I'm in the top six and a half percent? Well, ironically you say that we do talk about that internally <laughs> is we, we know who the top ten percent of the agents are. Okay. Oh, okay. You know, and that's real numbers, not and the, and that's not necessarily the team people, that's the people closing the transactions. There's a way that right. we can we can look at that information. Right. But that's, that's awesome. a great point. It's uh you have to be the best at what you do. That's right. the, to Tom's point. That's, yeah, if that's I was an agent, I think I would I'd say I'm in the top like three. <laughs> I mean, even top even top thirty percent. I mean, that's still still pretty good. How yeah. many agents are in? I don't know if anybody has a stat, but how many agents are in? We'll just say Macomb County today. The working agents in Macomb County. I mean, there's thousands. I, I, yeah, I think there was four million agents in this in the country as last night. So saw something crazy. Being like in that. the top thirty yeah. percent, I mean, that's still pretty damn good, if you ask yeah. me. I don't, I don't know. know. I'm, I'm the top, I'm in the top five percent of chefs in my household. <laughs> yeah. So and yeah. that there's only five people. So we'll see. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about 2019. Let's talk about you know projections. What you think about the market? Because we hear a lot, and, and that's actually great for Tom because you you know had a mortgage company and and you you know this industry really well. Um, interest rates are going up, or at least that's what we quote unquote hear. Nobody can see my air quotes, but at least that's what we hear, right? Right. Um, I mean, what are your takes on 2019? What do you think is going to happen, or what do we believe? I think, honestly, the rates are at a point where I don't think half a point or 
up or down is going to make or break a, a, a major major issue in the market yeah mm-hmm. um you if you compare again over this the history of the rates rates are, are really low anyway yeah um and if you look kind Incredibly of low pre foreclosure mm-hmm. market and market today rates were higher back then yep right so you had values that were similar in many areas to the, where they are now but they were under false pretenses as we've talked about with right stated right. income loans and whatnot and they were at higher rates. Mm-hmm. Um, now you rates are at, at such a low number, and they're all fixed, right? I mean, mm-hmm. do you see a lot of arms in the market? I right don't now? I occasionally, but not a lot. Yeah, not so a lot. it's a secured number. Yeah, and they're low. Right, and they're in relatively speaking, you'd almost have to. I mean, as you alluded to, I was an old time mortgage person. Yeah. And I mean, I saw double digits. I didn't say old, by the way. For the <laughs> I, I saw I saw double digits on right. the rate sheet. What's yeah. the highest? Yeah. What's the highest rate that you've probably ever had to sell? Oh, God. not that you wanted Golly. to, but you well, had to. Well, the first company I worked for, um, and I won't name any names. They their APR on their mortgages was fourteen point nine nine. Whoa, fourteen point nine nine. Yeah, that was APR. Yeah, yeah. Good it was thing. interesting. We were listening to a few of your last podcasts, and uh, one of the things that, you know, one of the questions you asked and we were prepared for was, uh, you know, what, is this a buyer's market, a seller's market? Right. What do you mm-hmm. think of the market? And the reality is it's been probably 10 years that we can attest to that we really haven't had a normal market. Right. So people are like, like is it a seller's market? Is it a right. buyer's market? Well, this market's a seller's market, and this market's a buyer's market. Right. Well, the reality is we're somewhere in a normal market. We've got normal rates, which are low, you know, traditionally, from yeah. our experience. Right. We've got house prices that are back to pre-crash numbers, but we can still afford for some, you know, CPI-adjusted gains still. Mm-hmm. So there's there's some percentages in the market to be gained as well. Right. But, and, and where does that come from? I mean, like, where is it? Is it consistency? Is it changing of the seasons? You know, what what really dictates that? What determines the normal? Yeah. Hmm. Good question. Uh, great question. When, I mean, I think the easiest way to answer it is it's not a seller's market. It's not a buyer's market. Right, I mean, yeah. uh, you can go city by city, and there are cities that we would tell you, like Tom says, we take our investor folks from city to city based on where the ROI is. Right. You can't yeah. just say we're going to stay in Westland or Oak Park or, or Ferndale or Detroit or, or anywhere, you know, or Auburn Hills, Pontiac. You have to look to where the return is that year, this yeah. year, because the overall MLS, even, for example, you'll see some – you know, some cities that are up substantially and some cities that are down, well, you have to go back historically and see what happened those cities mm-hmm. in years prior. So there's a lot of changes, but ultimately, this is a pretty good market. It's pretty normal. Um, house prices are solid. If you yeah. want to sell your house, it's, it's not a bad time to sell. If you want to buy a house, rates are pretty good. Yeah. What's, um, your, uh, what's your sleeper pick for, you know, top ROI community? There's still, here? yeah, there's still yeah, some Detroit pockets. Probably, yeah, Detroit. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's an awful lot going on in Detroit. I, oh God, we yeah. own some properties down there. Yeah. Uh, we own in, in, a, in a small neighborhood. But there's uh, there's an awful lot going on in the Grand River Corridor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're not talking downtown. Right, right, right. right. Uh, the downtown market has largely been picked, yep. picked over, to right. say yep. the least. Right. But there's communities. There's, there's small neighborhoods that are coming back. Um, there's some other n- neighborhoods that w- we still go to that we see some pockets. But, again, it's house by house in many cases. It's... Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a it's a good market for. Yeah, like the, the market is. Um, it's while well, you said what is normal. Um, there's certain normals that we understand that yeah. every agent in Michigan will just can tell you. I mean, the, the the cities that are known to have the best schools, like Troy, mm-hmm. Birmingham, Northville, Novi, to name a few. There's obviously a lot more than that of that. Rochester, right, Rochester. Sure. Um, the, when you when you start to get to about what the May time of the season every year, it's a it's a scramble. 
at least in the last seven, right. six, seven, eight yeah. years. Um, you, you know if you list your house in those cities in, in May, you're going to have the best time to have a, a mad scramble on your house, a, a lot hmm. more com- competition on your house. That's kind of a guarantee. Um, n- another thing you see a lot as well is when you get into the, su- the winter season now is when you start seeing your investors come out of the market right. or coming into the market and calling you more and wanting to see houses because that's generally speaking, this is the time of the year where if you just overlay all the sales prices per month, this is the you know time of the year where an investor can sometimes find a property at a little right. less value right. than they would typically see. Hmm, I like that. So while there has been such fluctuating um, things around the market. Mm-hmm. It, there are some certain staples that you do know that you're gonna you're gonna be running against in certain areas. Right, right, nice. right. Okay. And to answer to answer my question that you you answered, you're gonna I'll, answer your own question. I'm gonna answer my question with. The, I'll take that answer. I like that answer about about my question. <laughs> I okay. do. I wanted to get back to. That. All right. So, I got a game. Uh-oh. Okay, so we're going to do a whole new thing here. We're going to do a segment. Oh boy. We're gonna, maybe we'll start doing this. Well, okay, just chill <laughs> out. <laughs> so. I've had I've had of recently, and you've you've had these same conversations. So you'll just sit back and relax. Um, of different things that clients have approached me about or asked me about that we have to talk relevantly. So I think it would be a good idea to kind of you know fan out some of the facts and myths Great. of our collective industry and see kind of what the answers are. So here's number one, and these are actual actual conversations I've had with clients. So you're going to be more likely to get an offer accepted or a better deal if you wait until after the holiday season. Fact or myth? What's your opinion on it? Uh, myth. myth. I've had some of the best deals. I did a deal two years ago on Christmas Day on Reindeer Drive. Right. I like <laughs> well, there that. You go. I'm not joking. We closed on <laughs> this transaction. Really? Yes. That's awesome. And uh, you, we tell our new agents that that's the time that you answer the phone. Mm-hmm. These are real buyers. People are looking right. to sell. They're serious. They're serious. Nobody in Michigan wants to leave their property vacant in the winter. Right. I don't care what it is. It's it's a bad to leave your property right, vacant right. if you can avoid it. You've got a, lots of things can go wrong in Michigan in the winter. Sure. Yeah. Plus, a house deteriorates pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. That's the time that you will often find some of your best deals is is if when we're out looking at houses this weekend, yeah. believe it or not, we're showing houses this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Best time possible. If okay. you can do it now. I like that. Yeah, now Our I'm phone f- starts picking up on January 6th. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would say myth as well because um, for some of the same reasons, um, there are other times of the year where I would say that actually that would play in. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay. Okay. You got anything on that one? No, I'm not. You told me to sit back and relax. Okay, cool. <laughs> Good. All right. So here's another one that's more of tailored to us, but being in real estate and also dealing with uh, building, you know, having a building background. This would be good for you guys, too. So I put roughly 30K into my house by doing the following, okay? I redid a bathroom, and repairs are unknown. So redid a bathroom, finished the basement, and then also redid a master bedroom. I now believe that my house is worth 30K more. Okay, the best investment, in my opinion, that you made there was redoing your bathroom. Okay. Um, That'll bring you back a good, solid portion of what you put in monetarily Mm -hmm. into that bathroom. Uh, It'll help me sell it. It'll get close to what you put in. It's not right. 100%, but it'll get you pretty close. Uh, you also did a bedroom. Yeah. You know, I expected the bedroom to be in good shape before right. we sold the house. So, <laughs> you know, that, that's probably not going to get you much return, although it makes it easier to sell. Your right. basement, worst investment monetarily that really? you can make. Yes. Now, I would all about a finished basement. Love a good cave in the basement. Mm-hmm. You know, a she shed in the basement right, or right, whatever right, you want right. to build. But <laughs> at the end of the day... 
you would be shocked that the number of our clients or any client that will walk into a finished basement that you've put in 30 grand, maybe you put all of it in the basement, mm-hmm. uh, that they'll say the first thing they're going to do is, is remove it all. Really? Because the people put in a, a bedroom and they that put hurts. in a bar oh, yeah, and they yeah. put in a sauna and they put in all these things that were wonderful for them. For them, yeah. You know, we were all soccer coaches. A sauna would be fantastic. But right. for the next person that bought the home, they yeah. may need a pool table room. Yeah. So That's true. that return of investment is is minimal. Hmm. Beyond pools in Michigan, it's a secondarily a, another poor investment. You do yeah. it because you love a pool. Well, it's right. not about the money. In-ground pool or above-ground pool? Any pool. Uh, any pool, really. Yep. Hmm. It actually has a negative return. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, but that's but you don't put a pool in for somebody else. Yeah. You know, right. you, you didn't life. put it in to sell it. You put it in because you want a pool. Nice. Right. Most right. of my clients to do that do. But the same thing on your investment. I think that's uh, okay. So it's, it's a tough one because your yeah. your question is threefold. So good yeah. investment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a wash and then the basement, you know, I hope you love it. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually <laughs> taking this back to my client, too. That's why I'm asking. So I'm going to okay. let them listen to this episode. All right. And then uh, last one. Wait a minute. I painted, oh. though, and I put in new carpet and a new hot water heater. What and, about those? And he did barn wood, too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> CP has done some inve- <laughs> renovating on his own. No, I'm kidding. Kitchen <laughs> kitchen is obviously yeah. the best. Yeah. yeah. Is it? I mean, it's more, but it's more for it's more for the aesthetic look. Of or the opportunity to sell a house, right? I mean, it, realistically, like when you're doing an appraiser is not counting below grade, which anybody out there doesn't know below grade. That means anything from the threshold down, meaning the basement typically, or you know, if you're tri level, it's two floors, whatever. Um, you know, they're not counting that as real square footage. So the opportunity is more or less if you finish your basement, it's just because it looks nice and somebody might want to buy it based off of that opportunity to have, you know, their she shed or man cave, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that kind of cuts it out. Kitchens, I mean, I think they're awesome because, you know, everybody's looking for that HGTV kitchen. Everybody wants that. So the, you know, granite countertops and all the things that make houses super expensive. You know, that's what people look for typically or what I, in my opinion, what they look for. Um, But, you know, bedrooms, bathrooms, you know, yeah, bathroom looks nice. But unless you have something significant going on, it kind of goes back to the bedroom thing or a basement. You know, people are going to make those their own. So I don't think that that's a huge factor. It's hard to get by the back to the perception of all these TV shows that you see. Right. Anytime they put 30 grand in, it's worth 40 grand more. Right. I mean, and it's not always that simple. Right. Uh, And they don't talk about how they got the financing and they don't talk about how they uh, were able to come up with 100 grand in the budget here or there. But, you know, it it doesn't always work that way. There are things you could put 30 Mm -hmm. grand into a house and certainly make money. We do flip houses where that's capable. But Maybe not yeah. on the starting condition and this of your is, house. This is just a one-off just because we're having a conversation. You'll you'll love this, Tom, because you did mortgages. But my favorite thing is when they start talking about the clients on there, they're like, Chuck works at a sperm bank, is a janitor, <laughs> budget $1.7 million. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. And I'm like, right. what? Yeah. How, do they, yeah. how do you even think about this? Well, kind I, of actually, I, I used to have a friend who's a banker in San Francisco, and he said, Tom, I, I would be you'd be shocked at how many people, how many houses are bought with like combination of families. Like, really? Like, three uh, families who go yeah. in to buy the house. Wow, really? Hmm. I do I do co-borrower, and then after we need a co-borrower or non-oc, I'm like, okay, let's start thinking about re-engineering you know, engineering this and finding you something you can afford by yourself. All right, um, but hold on. I have an old client that was a janitor at, uh, at, at <laughs> oh, Royal Oak School District who, well, that's who, who owns 80 properties. Oh, really? See, yeah, see, so, okay. and he his house is a small house in Royal Oak, yeah. very unassuming, and he's a janitor. I like and that. And he's got 80 properties all across Metro Detroit, hmm. so... 
I'm going to defend my guy. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. And, uh, I mean, my, my goal is when I retire, when I'm just going to be a door greeter. So, I mean, I get it. I totally get it. I hope I'm wealthy and I can do that. So, anyways, last one here, fact or myth, before we wrap up the show. Uh, buyer, uh, Your buyer does not pay the buyer agent commission out of their own pocket up front. Fact or myth? Fact. It's paid for by the seller. The seller pays the the, the cost of sale. You're going to pay that when you sell the property. Well, it's it's relevant. What are you looking <laughs> at me for? I thought you pointed to me like I was wrong, like I had made some statement. No, that, no, I'm like, no, what are you no, talking no, about? No, you're good. <laughs> no, I mean that's uh, that's a it's a good question. We do get asked that, especially on yeah. home first time home buyers right. and such. Uh, they they say, how do I pay you? It, it seems an odd scenario that here we are driving around and we're mm-hmm. showing up in all these different cities and we're spending our time and putting all this effort in the, and then they're like, well, I don't have to pay you. Right. Well, no, we're paid on the seller side. So, right. But it is a, it's, it's a unique situation. Well, and here's a question I have for the group, because I, I have probably the least amount of time in the industry at this table. I mean, you guys have quite a bit of time. I mean, was it at one point that you paid your buyer agent directly? Cause I, I've never known a different um, world. Well, there's every, everything is negotiable. Right. Right. I mean, commercial real estate, it many times the, if you're the buyer's agent, you're going to have the buyer pay you. Really? Um, so it, everything's negotiable. And there's been residential deals where the buyer can pay you if that's what's agreed upon. Right. And there's but different rules to be on it. I, I, was, uh, I was born in England uh, from Scottish parents and oh, immig- wow. immigrated to here in the, in the late 70s. And if you go, we have a very international base. One of the greatest things about Michigan is we have a lot of smart, smart people here. We've got international uh, engineers, business owners, and, and, and the like. And it is different across the world. Hmm. In Scotland, uh, you have to do an appraisal before you sell your house, for example. Mm-hmm. In Canada, commissions paid differently. So there are places where our, it's not just it was so old school right. Michigan way right. it was. Our clients right. are coming from a different perspective, maybe from India, maybe mm-hmm. from Asia, maybe from Canada. Right. Um, so they, you know, not many from Scotland, but there are a few. <laughs> um, but, you know, nonetheless, it's different from where they, a lot of folks yeah. come from. So a lot of it is a learning curve. It's not even the way it was. It's just the way it is today for right. them. Right. And so to, yeah. to, to break that down into everybody out there that's listening, so the way that it works, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, the way that it works is once the transaction is closed, there's a, basically a check that's given to the agent, yep. and then that agent or that check is split between the agencies, and then the realtor commission is paid out of that. Correct. Both sides. Yes. So you're not you're not directly paying anybody. So for anybody out there that thinks like you know I'm gonna I'm gonna do a fizzball. I'm gonna sell it myself because I don't want to pay realtors commissions, or I'm gonna go with the listing agent because I don't want to pay the buyers commissions, whatever it is. That's not necessarily the case at, in all cases, and everything is negotiable. So I think that that's great information. Yep. So awesome, awesome. As we're getting a little bit of feedback here, so guys, give us your contact info as we're wrapping up the show. Let us know how we can get a hold of you. Um, and anybody out there looking to buy, sell, build a portfolio, reach out to these guys. Well, we're trying to be on all the social platforms that we can possibly be in. You can search us. We have our offices located on Woodward Avenue, just south of 12 Mile. Um, so we're easily locatable. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, you can reach me, Ian Whitelaw, at ianwhitelaw at att.net. Uh, you can reach me on my cell phone, 248-752-4311. Tom Fisher, 734-658-3483. Awesome, guys. Thank okay. you so, so much for joining us today. Yeah, yeah you guys have fun. been great. Thank you for having us. CP, yeah, enjoyed it, as always. Oh, time of my life. All righty. That's <laughs> another episode in the books. And happy cool. holidays, everybody. And happy, happy holidays. holidays from us. Another episode in the books of Live on Real Estate. We'll see you next time.